0: Welcome to This Week in Video Games episode 109, my name is Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well this week I've been playing The Last of Us Part 1, the remake of that hit first game in the Last of Us series. There's also been a ton of news over the past few weeks with GTA 6 getting leaked, then Nintendo and Sony having major showcases, so there's plenty of news to catch up on. I'm going to go through all of that, plus break down the new Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom trailer. So It's a busy show, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. Yeah, I'm good this week, and it's been a news-heavy couple of weeks with GTA 6 leaking last weekend, in perhaps one of the biggest leaks in recent times. The Last of Us Part Two certainly comes to mind when I think about leaks, but this was over 90 videos, that's 9-0, of GTA 6 videos in a development state, plus we had source code for GTA 5 and 6 all released on the internet, so it is a really, really big deal. Well, Nintendo also had their much-rumored Nintendo Direct. I wasn't at my desk at the time, I was actually on a train on the way to Paris, so I was whooping in public when Nintendo finally revealed the name and the release date of the next mainline Zelda title. I'm going to bring you everything from that show. There's over 40 games, plus a special breakdown of the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom trailer. I'm going to do that later on in the show. Well, Sony also had somewhat of a surprise showcase on the same day as the Nintendo Direct, showing what they've got coming in the autumn and the winter months, plus a blockbuster trailer of God of War Ragnarok, That is coming in only a few short weeks, now in November. So what with the Nintendo Direct, as I mentioned, showed over 40 new games, and then we had the Sony Showcase. There's plenty to look forward to in the world of gaming. Well, before we get into that, it'd be great if you could leave a review over there on Apple Podcasts. Really helps the podcast get some more eyes on it. I do have a link in the podcast description, so if you like the show and you want to leave a review, I would really, really appreciate it. Plus, I'll read out that review on a future episode of the podcast. Also, if you want to support the show further, check out This Week in Video Games on Patreon. You can check out all those exclusive Patreon benefits. Okay, that is my waffly intro out of the way, so let's get into what I've been playing this week. Well, this week I've mainly been playing The Last of Us Part 1 from Naughty Dog and Sony. This is an absolutely gorgeous game and really makes great use of the PlayStation 5, so the review is first up in the show, so I'll get to that in a second. Normally, on the podcast, I tend to do a couple of reviews, but it has been such a news-heavy couple of weeks, I thought it would be good to focus on the headlines. Well, without further delay, let's dive into my review of The Last of Us Part 1. The Last of Us is considered one of the best games of its generation, probably the best game on the PlayStation 3, and The Last of Us Remaster could be considered one of the best games on the PS4. Well now, in 2022, we've got The Last of Us Part 1, a remaster slash remake, which brings the game up to graphical and technical standards of the PlayStation 5. But is it worth £70 or $70 to play The Last of Us on a current generation console? Well today, we're going to find out. The Last of Us is critically acclaimed, winning nearly every award under the sun and was followed up in 2020 with a highly controversial Last of Us Part 2. Well, if you haven't played The Last of Us, then first of all, you should stop what you're doing right now and play it. You know, it's a post-apocalyptic stealth action-adventure game about trying to survive in a very, very harsh world. It's filled with danger around every turn, and Naughty Dog crafted an almost perfect single-player story which is definitely one of the best games of all time. The motivation for creating The Last of Us Part 1 is an interesting case. So the team had just finished working on The Last of Us Part 2, so wanted to dive into a new project. And The Last of Us also has a TV show coming out in 2023, so perhaps Naughty Dog wanted to tie it all together and provide a seamless player experience, given a whole swathe of new fans are about to enter The Last of Us universe via that HBO TV show. They've also got a multiplayer game in the works, which could be part of Sony's rumoured string of live service games coming out over the next few years, so it's a busy time for everyone over there at Naughty Dog. The Last of Us Part 1 takes advantage of the PlayStation 5 being able to deliver highly detailed environments and character models in a fully rebuilt world full of new animations. The game also takes advantage of the new features of the PlayStation 5, like the haptic feedback on the controller, allowing for a more immersive experience. Plus you've got some of the most extensive accessibility options I've seen in a video game. The Last of Us Part 2 was praised for its approach to accessibility and The Last of Us Part 1 goes even further, opening up the game to even more fans all around the world. The original multiplayer mode is missing from this updated PlayStation 5 version but happily it does include Left Behind which is a short prequel. Yeah, while there are some differences in the game, it largely stays true to the original, meaning if you've never played The Last of Us, this is going to be the definitive way to experience the game. So playing through the game again, I'm reminded that The Last of Us is really a modern masterpiece of storytelling. The world is brutal, the characters, they're strong, the acting is fantastic. And it's shocking and violent, even more so when brought up to the standards of the PlayStation 5. Now this one is definitely not for the faint of heart. It's sad, it's scary, it does get very dark at times. But there is a thread of hope in the story as Ellie and Joel go on their journey together through a clicker infested near future. Well The Last of Us Part 1 is billed as a ground-up rebuild for the PlayStation 5. Now this is a remake and not a remaster as we had before. There's two display modes with native 4K at 30 frames per second. And then another at Dynamic 4K, which targets 60 frames per second. And Naughty Dog say they've built the characters and environments from the ground up. And when it's delivered in this clarity, you can really, really tell. The characters, the environments, and the action all definitely pop out of the screen. While the characters look better and more detailed, as seen by Sony's side-by-side comparison videos and stills, you know, you've got the environments, they feel denser. And the interactive environments, they're more plentiful. The lighting is stunning and the reflections and the water effects are some of the best I've ever seen. You know, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was my top visual game in 2021. Uh, I think Last of Us Part 1 could give that a run for its money. It just looks that good. The rain effects, they are so realistic, with Joel and Ellie dripping wet through when they go through rain soaked areas, with water running down their faces, their clothes, and their weapons in a very realistic manner. It is the perfect advert for the PlayStation 5. There are definitely fidelity upgrades, which help you when you're crouching and crawling through a museum, trying to creep around clickers without being seen. The Last of Us Part 1 does lean on the original performance capture, cutscene direction and the voice work from the original PS3 version, and there have been a few changes to characters as well, Tess being the most obvious near the start of the game, but also the improvements to the tech allow for more emotion to be conveyed through the expression of the characters. So with that in mind, it's not a 100% remake from the ground up, even though Naughty Dog is billing it as such. There are certainly a lot of noticeable improvements, but some of the audio assets and the direction have been retained. The accessibility options have been given a complete overhaul, with a high contrast mode for players with vision challenges. There's also automatic navigation for blind and low vision players, with indicators on the screen for deaf and hard of hearing players, and loads more options too. The controller can be completely remapped and the difficulty options can be changed very, very seamlessly and easily. The difficulty also has a lot of subcategories like ally effectiveness and enemy awareness. It's not just a simple, easy, medium, and hard mode. Now, I can't really speak with any authority on the effectiveness of the accessibility options, but they do look good and they are more extensive than I've seen in other games. And hopefully, other developers will be taking note and make these kinds of accessibility options standard across all games in the near future. Regarding some of the other improvements of The Last of Us Part 1, the enemy AI is in a major overhaul, and while it doesn't exactly match the level we see in The Last of Us Part 2, it is still a vast improvement over the first instalment. Enemies now walk in non-predictable patterns when they are trying to find you. More often than not, when it's a clicker or a soldier hunting you, enemies They are much more unpredictable when it comes to direction and methods of finding you, and that makes it much more of a challenge. Your AI-controlled friendlies also don't tend to walk out and wander out into the open and give the game away so easily in this version, which is a welcome addition. The DualSense haptic feedback has been expertly implemented on this one, so it's not the in-your-face rumbling of the controller that's most effective, it's the subtle, gentle feedback, which is almost constant throughout the whole playthrough. You can feel the kickback on your gun when the rain drops and the thundering hooves of horses as they run. And while the haptic feedback features do tend to drain the batteries very, very quickly on your controller, it does add an overall net positive feature to the immersive experience of The Last of Us Part 1, and I think it's a great example for others looking to implement similar features in other games. Yeah, From start to finish, The Last of Us Part 1 is about 15 to 20 hours long, When you take into account that prequel left behind and at the end you can unlock some game modifiers new cosmetics and also visual modes too the latter you know it's similar to instagram filters that you're most likely familiar with plus you can also dress up your main characters in different clothes if you really want to the modifiers they are fun to play around with they include infinite ammo infinite crafting materials and slow motion they're probably the most notable options it does add a little bit of fun to the game if you want to go back in after the main story Overall, this is the definitive way to experience The Last of Us Part 1. I'm not 100% sure we needed the experience, especially at the £70 or $70 price point, given we got The Last of Us Remaster available to play through PlayStation Plus. However, given the context of the TV show and The Last of Us Part 2, then it does kind of make sense. So I'm not sure I'd recommend playing through it if you've played it before, but if you haven't played The Last of Us, then now is the time to do so, and this is the version to play. Well, the game was developed by Naughty Dog. It was published by Sony. It's available on the PlayStation 5, and the original release date was the 2nd of September, 2022. Well, that is it for now for The Last of Us Part 1. Really, really enjoyed my playthrough, and it is an absolute delight going back to a modern classic video game. So as I said before, if you haven't played it, you should definitely experience The Last of Us, and this is the way to do it. Well, that is it for The Last of Us Part 1 for now, but next up, let's check out the GTA 6 leaks. I'm going to head over to IGN, and this is a report by Matt Kim. So he really, really rounded up all the details expertly well. So Matt says, on Sunday, September the 18th, a massive and unprecedented leak hit one of the most anticipated games of the decade. Dozens of videos related to Grand Theft Auto 6 began appearing on a fan forum, GTA Forums, giving the world a first extremely unintended look at Rockstar's next AAA game. The leak has caused a massive fallout, kickstarting a discussion about leaks within the video game industry, how they affect every level of game development. And while the story of GTA 6 leaks will continue, here's everything you need to know about the saga so far. Well, Rockstar officially announced the next Grand Theft Auto game on February the 4th, 2022, in a press release, and they said, and we are pleased to confirm that the active development for the next entry in the Grand Theft Auto series is well underway, Rockstar wrote earlier in the year, and we look forward to sharing more as soon as we are ready, so please stay tuned to the Rockstar Newswire for official details. Well, before the announcement, Rockstar mainly discussed the ongoing success of Grand Theft Auto V in GTA Online both of which were receiving next-gen updates. And while undoubtedly still popular, continuing to hype a decade-old game was wearing a bit thin for some fans' announcement the next GTA game felt long overdue. However, with the announcement coming from a press release and no additional materials, it seemed that GTA 6 was still in early development. Rockstar's parent company Take-Two Interactive and its CEO Strauss Zelnick followed up by saying more of GTA 6 would be shared on Rockstar's schedule. And this did not happen. GTA 6 Forums is one of the most popular online discussion boards to talk about all things Grand Theft Auto. And on September the 18th, it became an unexpected home to leaked assets for the still-in-development Grand Theft Auto 6. And the leaks quickly spread to other social media sites like Twitter and YouTube. So various clips with unfinished assets showed off several elements of the game in development, including parts of the world, gunplay, and NPC AI. The clips also similarly confirmed some of the rumors about GTA 6 that were already spreading online, such as the existence of male and female protagonists. The leak was from a user named UberHacker, who also claimed to be the same person who was hacking the ride-hailing app Uber earlier in the month. And he said, here's 90 footage clips from GTA 6, and the hacker also shared what looked to be various GTA 6 assets and code from the game. Well, later that same day, leaked videos on multiple platforms were being removed at the request of Take-Two Interactive. As reported by VGC, takedown requests appeared to be coming from individuals with Rockstar email addresses, all but confirming that the leaks were legitimate. Well, the next day, both GTA forums and the GTA 6 subreddit removed threads featuring the leaked content, and messages on both sites explained that they were complying with a request from Take-Two to remove any and all copyrighted material, and the original GTA Forums thread was later reinstated, albeit locked for new comments, with all links to stolen material removed. In a surprising move, Rockstar confirmed the veracity of the hack, which until then was still being touted as some very elaborate hoax. We recently suffered a network intrusion, in which an unauthorised third party illegally accessed and downloaded confidential information from our systems, including early development footage for the next Grand Theft Auto. Rockstar also reassured fans that despite the extensive leaks, the studio did not anticipate any disruption for the long-term effect of development of its ongoing projects. Work on the next Grand Theft Auto game would also continue as planned. Well, given the extensive nature of the hacks and that reported victims aren't one but two major companies, well, the FBI has gotten involved in an investigation over the hacks. Uber released a blog that revealed it was working with the FBI and the U.S. Department of Justice to investigate the recent data breaches and mentioned that the hacker was suspected to be involved in the Rockstar Hacks too. Uber revealed it believes the hacker or hackers to be associated with a group known as Lapis, which has carried out similar attacks on companies like Nvidia, Microsoft, and Samsung. We believe this attacker or attackers are affiliated with a hacking group called Lapis, which has been increasingly active over the last year or so. Uber cites similar techniques used by the hacking group on major tech companies as the reason for their suspicion. There's also reports over the weekend that the same actor breached video game maker Rockstar Games, Uber writes, and we are in close coordination with the FBI and the US Department of Justice on this matter, and will continue to support their efforts. So while we're only a few days removed from the leaks, this episode has generated much discussion within the video game industry. One such discussion is the harm of sharing early footage of the game and how that might affect the perception of the final product. So while the next Grand Theft Auto game is still in early development, popular understanding of game development is still lacking and this could have negative consequences on the game's final version. My thoughts are with the team at Rockstar Games, wrote Xbox's Sarah Bond, it can be disheartening to have a project you've worked hard on to delight fans revealed and critiqued before it's ready. And Bloomberg's Jason Schreier noted that the possible effects of the leak might have on employees and how it might limit work-from-home flexibility. As far as the early footage is concerned, there's been a pushback against any early judgment on a work still in progress. You know, anyone judging the leaked footage of GTA 6 like an idiot clearly hasn't worked in game development, writes game developer Cliffy B, and the amount of hours and people and dollars that goes into these games is insane. You know, one way game developers began to combat and educate what an in-development version of the game looks like is by sharing footage from their game's early in-development cycle. So developers from Insomniac, Remedy and more also shared early footage from games like Control, Spider-Man and more to illustrate what early game development looks like even for AAA projects. Well, The caveat here is the Elite GTSX footage looks pretty good considering how early the game is in development. How some of the developers are broadening the scope of how early a game could be shown, such as EA Motive, which has been sharing very early looks of their upcoming Dead Space remake, while heavily emphasising that everything they're sharing is still quite early. But if more gamers gain a deeper insight and context into game development, even for AAA games, then perhaps there's at least one benefit from this episode. So we're not going to know the full effects of the leak on the development of Grand Theft Auto 6 or Rockstar games for some time. And while any possible consequences might not reveal themselves for years, it's still going to go down as one of the biggest leaks in video game history and possibly the entertainment industry as a whole. Once again, I want to thank Matt Kim for a great write-up over there at IGN. Definitely go and check that out, and I'll put a link down below in the description and the show notes. Well, that is it for now for the GTA 6 leaks. I'd love to hear what you think. Let me know over there on Patreon or on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. be really, really interested to hear what you think. Well that is it for now for the GTA 6 leaks, but next up, let's have a look at the Sony State of Play. Well on the 13th of September, Sony was back to show us their latest State of Play. This report comes from Ryan Dinsdale out of IGN. And Ryan says PlayStation September State of Play has concluded after 20 minutes of reveals, new updates and fresh gameplay footage for tens of games coming to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5 and PSVR 2. So first of all we got Tekken 8 officially revealed, so the State of Play got off to a hot start opening up with the revealed trailer for Tekken 8. Our release date wasn't shared for the game but the trailer did only mention PlayStation 5 release for the game, meaning the latest entry in the classic fighting game may be next generation only. Well, God of War Ragnarok also got a new trailer and a limited edition DualSense controller. So PlayStation State of Play closed with a trailer for God of War Ragnarok, showed off new gameplay and cinematics alongside a limited edition DualSense controller that's going to be released alongside the game. Well, Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge, that got a new gameplay trailer. So this is an upcoming PSVR 2 game, Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge. That's got a new gameplay trailer showing off a tonne. Of different locations, enemies and allies in the game. Demio it was announced for the PlayStation VR 2. That is a cooperative dungeon-crawling game, Demio, that is officially coming to PlayStation VR 2, so players can fully immerse themselves in the tabletop S world, rolling dice and dishing out cards in VR. Well, Yakuza's spin-off game Ishin is getting released for the first time outside of Japan in the form of Like a Dragon Ishin. so the game is coming to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, in February 2023. Well, the upcoming Harry Potter Universe game, Hogwarts Legacy, is also getting exclusive content for the PlayStation. The state of play showed off the hogsmeade Center quest involving a spooky shop and its creepy basement. Well, Ironwood Studios' first game is officially called Pacific Drive, and it's gonna put players behind the wheel as they drive on what appears to be a post-apocalyptic version of the Pacific Northwest. Well, Sony also shared their first look at some of the items that are going to be available in its free PlayStation Stars loyalty program, as well as a timeline for when you can first try and collect them yourself. Sin Duality, that has been announced from Bandai Namco, a third-person shooter featuring mechs and the art style akin to Nier Automata, albeit with a little more color. A trailer showed off the game in action alongside a 2023 release window. Project Eve, the extremely shiny-looking action game shown off last year from the Korean studio Shift Up, has re-emerged as Stellar Blade, so the trailer showed off a mix of gameplay and cinematics, giving the players a look at the game's futuristic setting and story. And then finally, Neo developer Team Ninja has announced an open-world samurai game called Rise of the Ronin, a PlayStation 5 console exclusive, with a 2024 release window. And the trailer showed off the gorgeous world set in the modernization period of Japan. Once again, thanks to Ryan from IGN for that write-up, really really good stuff, and we got loads of really really good stuff to look forward to from Sony. And what about that God of War trailer? Oh my goodness me, I was excited about the game before, but after seeing that trailer, I really really can't wait till November. Well that is it for the State of Play, but now next up let's have a look at the all-platform charts. Well, at number 10, I talked about it earlier. This one is The Last of Us Part 1. At number 9, it's Grand Theft Auto 5, at 4 places in the last week's number 13. At number 8, up 2 places in the last week's number 10, it's Pokemon Legends Arceus. At number 7, holding steady at number 7, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. At number 6, holding steady at number 6, it's NBA 2K23. and At number 5, up 3 places in the last week's number 8, it's Minecraft. At number four, up one place from last week's number five, it's Nintendo Switch Sports. And number three, holding steady, is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Also holding steady at number two, it's Horizon Forbidden West. And still at number one, it's Splatoon 3. Well, congratulations to Nintendo for Splatoon 3. Looks like it's really, really doing well. I know it's record sales in Japan. And also here it's number one in the charts. So congratulations to the team buying Splatoon for that number one. Well that is it for now for the All Platform Charts, but next up, let's have a look at the latest Nintendo Direct. Well today I'm going to go through everything shown at the most recent Nintendo Direct, also on September the 13th. And this one comes from Tom Phillips out of Eurogamer. Well the Nintendo Direct did not disappoint with a brand new look at The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the world sequel, the newly titled Tears of the Kingdom, plus surprise announcements for Pikmin 4, Goldeneye 007, and also a new Fire Emblem game. When Nintendo finally confirms Zelda Tears of the Kingdom's name and release date, and that is the 12th of May 2023, plus new details on what to expect from Link's next adventure, which apparently takes him to the vast lands of Hyrule up into the skies and into an expanded world that goes beyond that. Now, originally confirmed by Eurogamer by Shigeru Miyamoto in 2015, Nintendo finally gave us an official teaser for Pikmin 4. Now, I really can't quite believe it's still in development, but it is, and it's coming to Switch in 2023. Well, another huge announcement came in the shape of Fire Emblem Engage, the next main game in Nintendo's strategic series, which was leaked earlier this year. So it's set 1,000 years after the war against the Fell Dragon, and this is still when it's going to let you summon and fight alongside past heroes, such as Marth and Cecilia, and it launches on the 20th of January 2023. Next up we got GoldenEye 007 which was simultaneously announced by Nintendo for its Switch Online plus expansion pack subscription, as well as by Rare for Xbox Game Pass via Twitter. This new version adds online multiplayer to the Switch version, while the Xbox edition has 4K visuals. Other upcoming Nintendo 64 games headed to Nintendo's subscription service were also detailed, including Pilot win 64 and Pokemon Stadium. Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, a remake of the Wii original, was announced today for launch on the Switch on the 24th of February 2023, and this version includes a new copy ability, local multiplayer support, and also new minigames too. Fresh from breaking sales records in Japan, Splatoon 3's first post-launch Splatfest is going to ask you what you'd like to survive on a desert island, gear, grub, or fun, so hopefully you got into that action this weekend that was on the 24th of September. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe's third wave of DLC is going to arrive this winter with eight more tracks including Merry Mountain from Mario Kart Tour and Peach Gardens from Mario Kart DS. These tie in perfectly with past track leaks, proving those in fact were accurate. Well today also brought new gameplay for Bayonetta 3, which as we knew arrives next month on the 28th of October. A separately released video looked at the game in more detail You can check out that over on YouTube. So we've got a round of updates on existing Nintendo games, such as the next wave of content for Xenoblade Chronicles* 3 Expansion Pass. So Volume 2 is going to let you add the new mechanical-looking hero I know to your party, Dresser Up in Beachwear. And that is all going to arrive on the 14th of October. Over in Mario Kart Strikers Battle League Football Land, A second free update to the game is going to launch in September. It's going to bring Diddy Kong to the game, plus more gear, another stadium, individual rankings based on skill points, customization options for supporters in the audience, and also stadium effect options. And it would have been great to have all this stuff ready for launch, but never mind. And also for Nintendo Switch ports, its long-awaited Golf update got a slight delay to this winter, with today's footage showing local play and a new 8-player online survival mode. On to the third party games that was headlined by the announcement of Octopath Traveller 2. So, the next adventure in the Retro Pixel 3D CG series will arrive for Nintendo Switch on the 24th of February 2023. A brand new Final Fantasy Theatre Rhythm game was also confirmed in time for the franchise's 35th anniversary. Theatre Rhythm Final Bar Line has a frankly ridiculous number of tracks from the series as well as from the other franchises. And that's going to arrive on the 16th of February, 2023. The beloved indie masterpiece Tunic is going to arrive on the Switch on the 27th of September. And then Project Zero Fatal Frame Mask of the Lunar Eclipse launches outside of Japan for the first time in early 2023, Nintendo announced. It's also coming to PlayStation and Xbox after initially arriving for the Wii back in 2008. Critically acclaimed co-op game It Takes Two will come to Nintendo Switch on the 4th of November, it was confirmed. That's the same day as Final Fantasy S farming game Harvest Stella, which gets a Switch demo. The similarly like Sifu, that's going to launch on Switch on the 8th of November. And speaking of farming games, Rune Factory 3 Special is going to launch on the Switch next year, and it's an all-new Rune Factory game is in development as well. So more farming games, so the GameCube Harvest Moon Classic, A Wonderful Life will return on the Switch in the guise of Story of Seasons A Wonderful Life. After almost 20 years, it's going to launch in the summer of 2023. Yet another farming game, Faye Farm, launches exclusively for Nintendo Switch in Spring 2023. And another GameCube classic, the role-playing game Tales of Symphonia Remastered, arrives for the Switch in early 2023, as well as the PlayStation and also the Xbox. Various Resident Evil games are coming to Nintendo Switch via cloud versions, including Village on the 28th of October, also coming this year are cloud versions of Resi 7, 2 and 3. Master Detective Archives Rain Code from the creators of Danganronpa is coming in Spring 2023, and from Ubisoft there's Just Dance 2023 edition on the 22nd of November and Mario Plus Rabbids Spark of Hope on the 20th of October, as we found out the other day, the latter will include Rayman in a post-launch expansion. We also got a look at Oddballers, a party game coming in early 2023. Launching today is a simulation RPG named Various Daylife, alongside an arcade shoot-em-up of Radiant Silvergun. Machine Building Simulation Factorio launches on the 20th of October, and then Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion is coming to the Switch on the 13th of December. The rt 2D exploration adventure IB, turns up in spring 2023. Then you got Fitness Boxing Fist of the North Star launches in March 2023, whilst Attila Riser 3 Alchemist of the End and The Secret Key turns up, on the 20, turns up on the 24th of February 2023. Also confirmed for next year is SpongeBob SquarePants, the Cosmic Shake and Roguelite Endless Dungeon, and remakes of Front Mission 1, 2, 3, although they didn't have any release information. Finally, games appearing in a montage including Disney Speedstorm, that's Winter 2022, Lego Brick Tales, Awesome 2022, Life is Strange Arcadia Bay Collection, 27th of September, Romancing Saga, Mistral Song, Remastered coming on the 1st of December, and lastly, Fall Guys Season 2 that began on the 15th of September. Well, that was just about everything announced in that latest Nintendo Direct, an absolutely bumper edition of games loads to look forward to, plus also we had that name... And release date announcement for Tears of the Kingdom, the next mainline Zelda game, coming out on the 12th of May 2023. So really, really exciting stuff. Really, really can't wait for that one. So much so that I did a huge deep dive into the trailer. So next up, let's go into that deep dive for Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Nintendo was back this week with their big September 2022 Nintendo Direct and that final One More Thing. Well, that was the news we'd all been waiting for. We finally got the title and the release date for the game, formerly known as Breath of the Wild 2. While the gameplay was short, there were still enough details packed into that trailer to send Legend of Zelda fans wild. And today I'm going to climb through all the details and we can now pin that date in our calendars. It is May the 12th, 2023 and we're all looking forward to The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. We open the trailer, focusing on a mural, and we're looking at a large creature of some kind. This creature appears to have large ears, plus its etchings look similar to Zonai markings that we've seen in Breath of the Wild. The scene fades in and out with a familiar dust in the air shining, and then we cut to bokoblins and moblins standing over what looks to be an ancient people, laying dead on the ground. You've got humanoid characters too, one laying there, appearing to be dead, You know, others with swords and shields in hand, and it looks like there's a violent assault taking place. Or another, fade in and out, we focus once again on the big character with the large ears. This looks like a god of some kind, perhaps a Zoni god. Now, surrounding this character appears to be quote marks, or perhaps in reference to the title, These could be the Tears of the Kingdom. Seven is a big number in the Legend of Zelda series. and This character is surrounded by seven of these tears or quotes in the etching. While we don't know the identity of this character yet, we can deduce this is going to be a central character in Tears of the Kingdom. Whether this is our new big bad, an overarching evil, or maybe even a force for good, we don't know just yet. But I don't think we've seen this figure before, but let me know in the comments if you've got any clues as to who this figure might be. Well, we cut again, and this time we see a female character. She appears to be unconscious and raised up into the air. The depiction here on the mural reminded me a lot of Princess Zelda, when Demise was trying to steal her energy in Skyward Sword. She was unconscious, raised into the air much like this. It's likely this is a reference to Princess Zelda or perhaps goddess hylia herself it's notable that the female character's hair is long here and in the trailers so far we've seen for tears of the kingdom zelda's hair is much shorter therefore this is likely to be a reference to past zelda We're another fade in and out and we see the same female character holding hands or joined with another character but we don't get to see the identity of this character you know is it link is it ganondorf Is it the new creature with long ears or perhaps a member of the Zonai tribe? Let me know in the comments who you think that is. Well, the trailer then moves on from close-up shots of the mural to Link opening two big doors, almost like he's at the exit of a dungeon. Now, he's high up there in amongst the clouds, sun blazing in the background, and Link, he starts to sprint forward. And this is long-haired Link that we've seen before. He's also wearing the champion's tunic, or a variation of that tunic. And we can see his arm is still altered like we've seen in the E3 2021 trailer. But this time he's got something on his hip. And it appears to be a container of some kind. And it looks like it's a multifaceted container. This could be a source of energy or something that replaces the Sheikah Slate. Or it could be a container for the literal Tears of the Kingdom. Or perhaps it's a magic container with a power source for Link's new arm and abilities. We don't know for sure just yet. But we're going to find out in the coming months as we build up to the launch of the game. Well, Link takes a diving leap off the platform in the sky and dives towards Hyrule below. and The diving sequence is so similar to Skyward Sword, Link dives headfirst into the clouds before opening his body like a skydiver. And we don't see how Link lands or manages to fly through the sky as we cut to a scene of Link jumping onto a concrete platform. Link then holds onto this platform and it's going up into the sky rather than falling down. So we've seen this reversal mechanic used before in the E3 2021 trailer, where Link was sending a spike ball back from where it came from. You know, Here, though, it's an entire platform, and it appears to be reversing upwards from where it came, perhaps on Link's command. And it looks like this is going to be a major new gameplay mechanic in Tears of the Kingdom, with Link having the ability to manipulate objects through time, specifically reversing some items. You know, Whether we are limited to certain items, or how Link initiates this movement is yet unknown, but the potential for this mechanic is huge when it comes to puzzles, traversal, and overall gameplay in the latest Legend of Zelda game. Out of all of the things that we've seen so far, this one gets me the most excited. We then see Link grab onto a rock and move upwards into the sky. As Link is holding on for dear life, we can see a structure in the background surrounded by dark clouds. It looks like a shrouded sky temple of some kind. I don't know if this is a dungeon, or perhaps Link going into a dungeon, but it looks really big. It also looks really dangerous and very ominous there in the background. Earlier in the trailer, we saw seven items surround the creature with long ears. Those seven items could be seven things we have to collect from seven dungeons throughout the game. One major criticism of Breath of the Wild was the lack of dungeons, and it could be that Tears of the Kingdom is going to rectify that point. We don't have the proof just yet that dungeons are coming back, but you know, I'd almost like it if Nintendo didn't give us those details prior to the game releasing. I'd love to get into the next Zelda game and discover those details for ourselves. We then move on and we can see Link climbing. This time, he's not in his traditional champion's tunic. This time, he's climbing up a route and he's dressed in a similar manner to that delay trailer back in March 2022. This time, he's got very long hair, longer than it's seen before, His hair is down he's got strappings tied to his arms and his legs. Well, we cut once again and Link is skydiving, although this time he lands in a flying vehicle of some kind. It looks like a wing of some sort and appears to be made of wood. It's different to the glider that we've used in Breath of the Wild and the closest thing I can compare it to is the flying machine used by the Green Goblin in Spider-Man comics and also movies. Could this be a flying mount that we'll be using the game to fly through the sky? Now on the ground, I assume we're still going to have horses, but to fly around in the sky, you know, that would be absolutely incredible, and we could be about to get a flying mount in The Legend of Zelda. Well, two glowing dragons then encircle Link, which take on that etching style and then merge together to form a circle. The text The Legend of Zelda then fades in, with the Master Sword on the left-hand side having a familiar top half, but the bottom half is looking rather strange, almost digital, with a hint of Twilight Princess in the design. The title then fades in, and we now know that the title is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and we're all going to be able to play it on the 12th of May, 2023. Well, that is it for the trailer, and that was absolutely fantastic. Really, really enjoyed that, but there are some major points and a few headlines I want to discuss from the trailer. First of all, we've got the mural, so much of the trailer focused on that mural. Looks like there's going to be a lot of story packed in there. And we've got this new character with the big ears surrounded by what could be the Tears of the Kingdom. Or maybe they are something else. There's definitely seven items there and they are going to be key to the story. So this new character is surrounded by seven items which do look to be important. So from this one scene we could deduce there's a godlike creature or a character who's going to be central to the story. Plus you've got seven items which hold equal importance to that character. So perhaps we have to beat the seven dungeons to collect the seven items to beat this creature, or maybe we need these seven items to power up the Master Sword and make it whole again. Now, I think the most likely scenario is we collect these items, or these tears, and they're either used to wake up Princess Zelda or used to defeat the creature. Well, next up, there's loads of action in the sky, and while we knew there would be much more action in the sky for this game, this trailer really opened my eyes as to how much action there's going to be in the game. The sky islands appear to be plentiful, plus much of the gameplay we've seen of Link has been him skydiving or traversing through the sky, or on this new sky mount, flying through the air like the Green Goblin out of Spider-Man. It looks really, really impressive stuff. I would imagine we're going to get a lot of action on the ground in Hyrule, as we did in Breath of the Wild, but then the game is going to completely open up. There's going to be travelling back and forward on the sky islands, so you've got Link being able to reverse time and climbing up rocks to get to those islands. Also, in a previous trailer, we've seen Link traveling upwards via some kind of water mechanic. You know, could these be the Tears to the Kingdom? Could it be a way to travel up into the Sky Islands? And of course, we've seen Link skydiving off of the platforms, so we know there's going to be loads of action in the sky. Well, next up, we've got Link. So while this trailer was short, we saw a couple of Link designs. So we've got one Link in a champion's tunic and one Link wearing another set of clothes or armor. Whether this is a different Link or the same Link, we don't yet know. One appears to have longer hair than the other, although whenever we see the champion's tunic-wearing Link, he's got hair up into a ponytail, so it's possible we've got the same Link throughout all of the trailers. But it is also possible there are two Links, and we have to travel between them in some way. Let me know in the comments if you think this is the same Link, or if you think these are different Links, and how do we switch between them? Well next up we got my first impressions of the title of the game and that is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And you know what? I really like it. I'm glad Nintendo didn't go for Breath of the Something and that they've got their unique title for the game. Tears of the Kingdom uses a similar structure from a sentence point of view. For example, something of the something. Now, I did discuss the title a few videos ago. And I don't think anyone got close in their guesses to Tears of the Kingdom. You know, there are a couple of ways that this could be taken. Are they literal tears? You know, tears of the inhabitants of Hyrule? Or are they some kind of item that can be collected in a vial, perhaps used as a magic power source? Although we have seen in that E3 2021 trailer, a quote-unquote water droplet falling and Link traveling using that water droplet, so maybe this is one of the tears of the kingdom. Also, in this trailer, we see several items surrounding this big new character with the big ears, So perhaps these are the Tears of the Kingdom. Let me know down in the comments what you think of the title and what the Tears of the Kingdom are. Finally, we've got the conundrum about why the trailer wasn't live-streamed in the UK. It should have been live-streamed at 3pm, although Nintendo said rather than do that, they were going to drop it one hour later as an on-demand video on YouTube. So this is most likely because of the unfortunate timing of Her Majesty the Queen dying and the UK being in a state of national mourning at the moment. Yeah, you know, as we all build up to a funeral on Monday, the nineteenth of September, twenty twenty-two. You know, Tears of the Kingdom is such a huge coincidence when it comes to the Queen dying. You know, on one hand, you've got the next Legend of Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom. Everyone is really, really excited. The next Legend of Zelda game is being announced. It's been building up for years to this moment for the title, and then all of a sudden, our monarch dies. You know, she's been on the throne for seventy years, so it really is a hugely sad event. And the timing is really, really unfortunate. So this kind of thing only really happens once per century. You can imagine the meetings at Nintendo when the unfortunate news of the Queen came through. It must have been absolute chaos. Well, that gives us a good idea about why the trailer wasn't live streamed in the UK. Where you've got a name like Tears of the Kingdom, and then you've got the whole UK in mourning at the moment because of the Queen. You know, it's such an unfortunate coincidence. Well, yes, that event is very, very sad, but I don't want to dwell on it too much. The next Legend of Zelda game has been titled. We've got a release date of the 12th of May, 2023. So it's really, really exciting stuff as we look to the future. Well, that was my deep dive there into Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So I hope you enjoyed that. But next up, let's have a look at what games we've got coming out in the next few weeks. Quite a few games coming out over the next few weeks. Looks like we're ramping up towards Christmas now. So first of all, on the 27th of September, we've got Grounded. That's coming on the Xbox Series S and X, Xbox One and PC. We've got Hoko Life, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Life is Strange Remaster Collection. That is coming to Nintendo Switch. And The Fridge is Red. That is coming to PC. Also on the 27th, Legend of Heroes Trails from Zero, PS4, Switch, and PC. Tunic. That is coming to PS5. PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch on the 28th of September we got Death Verse Let It Die that's on the PS5 and the PlayStation 4 we got Brewmaster that's on the 29th that's coming to PC we got Dwarfman Tick that's coming out on the Switch that is also on the 29th of September and a few other games on the 29th of September let's list those off now so let's build a zoo PS5 Xbox Series S next PS4 Xbox One and Switch got Moonbreaker on PC We've got Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous, Xbox Series S next, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. And we've got Pycross S8, that is coming to Switch. Also on the 29th, or finally, I should say, on the 29th, we've got Valkyrie Elysium, that is PS5 and PS4. On the 30th of September, we've got FIFA 23, that's PS5, Xbox Series S next, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. We've got My Little Pony, a Maritime Bay Adventure, that's on PlayStation 5. And then we've got Witchy Life Story. That one is our final game for September on the 30th of September. Moving into October now, we've got Dakar Desert Rally. That's PS5, Xbox Series S next, PS PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. That is on the 4th of October. Next up, we've got another one on the 4th of October. This is a big one. This could be one of the biggest releases in October. It's Overwatch 2. That's PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. On the 5th of October we've got Deathverse, Let It Die, that's coming out on the PC. We've got Near Automata, that's coming out on the Switch, that's on October the 6th. And finally, for the next few weeks, No Man's Sky, coming to Nintendo Switch on October the 7th. Well that is going to be it for this week's episode, and if you want to get involved with the show, get in contact through patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames or check out the latest on the website. You can send in your questions, your comments and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. So thank you so much for watching or listening and for more This Week in Video Games content like this. Like and subscribe on YouTube or your favourite podcast app. be really, really good to see you there. Or you can check me out on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really, really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Well, thanks again and I'll see you very, very soon.